listening to K is for Kinky with Jen and Eden, and today we're talking about human pets. <laughs> good. That's my contribution. You did good. Hello, and welcome to the K is for Kinky podcast. This podcast discusses adult topics, so if you are offended by adult topics or are under the age of 18, please stop listening now. Also, while Miss Jen is a therapist, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not to be taken as personal therapy for you. She is not your therapist. And if she is your therapist, just remember that what she says only technically counts in your private sessions. This is an interesting topic, but um, I would like you to start because human pet is sort of one of the ways you see yourself, and it's kind of a tough tough concept it is a tough concept and I, I actually have seen other people express an interest in it and I think that's one of the reasons why I brought this up as a topic because I think it's more common than people realize but there's not really a word for it or people don't really want to validate it in themselves um so I want to go over what a human pet possibly could be um, you know, there is a pet play community where people identify as animals and for pet players, specifically domesticated animals, there is an overlap. Um, when I first started to identify as a human pet, that was earlier in our relationship. And I don't really use the identifier anymore, mostly because I don't really know how to play with that concept with you. Um, it's more of a headspace, but I, I do have certain things that come up for me that, I think you would agree are very pet-like. Um, and if I were to identify as an animal of some sort, it would be more of a feral, anthropomorphic, shape-shifting animal than it would be. Oh God. I know. I've thought about this a lot. Um, then it would be a pet itself, you know. But um, for me, the reason that I first started to identify as a human pet is because I like the idea of being kept being cared for. There's a sort of pampering that pets get. I mean, if you live with cats, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Our cats are spoiled fucking rotten. It's true. Um, I also like personally sitting on pet beds. Um, we just bought a new one for me so that I can sit at her feet better. Um, and I think there's something kind of sexy to me personally about this idea of having a dominant leader and a familiar or companion that acts basically like a pet, but is not an animal. Um, and I think the first thing that comes to mind when I describe this, honestly, is like a vampire and their blood source or their like companion. You see a lot of, quite frankly, like fan fictions, porns, and um, concepts. Ooh, uh, what we do in the shadows. Yeah. It's uh, kind of like that. Shit, I forgot his name. Yes, Guillermo. Guillermo. Very much like Guillermo. But um, <laughs> I think also like if you think about Princess Leia, being chained and attached to Jabba the Hutt. I'm not calling... You know, that was slavery. It was. Um, it was weird, erotic slavery that probably is part of why some people are kinky today. So if um, you look at the fanfic of that scene... Well, then yeah. Well, geez, God. Well, when I was a kid, one of the first things I ever saw that aroused me was Princess Leia chained up like that. Um, I th feel like you're not alone. BDSM red flag right there. Three years old and cares <laughs> oh, as much God. about naked Leia as the teddy bears. I was very into the teddy bears. Teddy bears. The Ewoks. <laughs> I just saw teddy bears and I was like, oh my God, this movie has everything. Sexy women and Ewoks. And as three, <laughs> with my VHS tape, because that's what was out back then. Oh, you're so old. My parents should have known <laughs> that there was something ominous going on 
when I was watching over and over again Princess Leia being naked. But anyways, I think the reason I bring that up is because it's a core memory of something that interested me as a kid. And as an adult, I see RDS when I look at it through a sexual or like more intimate lens as having a quality like that, except you're not Jabba the Hutt and also it's not slavery. Um, It's consensual um, power exchange. But when I sit at your feet, I guess maybe there is an image in my mind that resembles Leia with her legs kind of curled, all done up pretty at the feet of Jabba. Um, This is... (laughs) Well, what's the difference for you between that and a submissive sitting at their dominance feet i think they overlap for me there's there's an overlap for me so it's a personal thing for you like for for some people it might be a totally separate thing but i also like like getting scratches from you um very much i literally want to have contact and to be pet and to be like if you honestly were to give me little treats for doing things i'd be stoked like there are certain things that pet players do that i would welcome but i don't want to or feel the desire to engage in a pet persona to have those things i want to be a human And so for me, that's where it crosses into this human pet territory where it's like, I want to do some of these things, but I don't have a headspace. But not be an animal. Yeah, I don't have a headspace where I am somebody else. I'm me. Um, You know, and I think when you look at the people who like to do crawling, which I'm actually not as into crawling, but like when you look at people who (laughs) like to do crawling. (laughs) Well, we tried to have bad knees and it's just not, it's too humiliating for me in a way that isn't sexy for me personally. And it's also just annoying. Like, I don't want to call it. I didn't show you secretary soon enough. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It's not my favorite part of the thing. But I'm saying that for people who do like crawling, um, there is that component of like almost animal-like behavior. But unless you are a pet player or you are interested in imagining yourself as a pet, you might just enjoy the crawling for other reasons. And to me, that's kind of where... There is sort of an access point to enjoying, you know, human pet play. Um, another piece for me that I kind of associate a little bit with being kept as a pet is my collar. Um, and we've taught, I mean, a lot of people have collars in kink and it's not a sense of pet and owner. And yet there is a sense of ownership and there is a sense of belonging. And to me, maybe it's because I see slavery um, historically as sinister and evil. I don't think of my collar as a sign that you own me as like chattel, I see it as you've adopted me as a feral being that you've turned into your human pet. And that's sort of the narrative that I have in my mind. And so for me, because I enjoy head scratches, because when I'm kneeling or when I'm sitting at your feet, I have that kind of Leia image in my mind. And I have this image of like, this is my owner. This is the person I belong to. This is the one who feeds me. Literally, you do feed me. Um, You cook and you provide food. Um, and this is the person who cares for me. Like, to me, I have that pet imagery in my mind, even to this day. But I stopped identifying that way because it was really hard to explain to people. And I think that it people... It is, apparently. It <laughs> is. And I think that people also um, kind of go into a pet play place with it. It doesn't help that when I've gone and crawled into cages before, I felt safe and secure. I remember my first year in, in the scene um, when I was having a really high anxiety at a party And I went into the cage in the front um, of Sanctuary's office, sat in there and felt so calm and safe. And I was like, I love this. And I didn't feel like an animal loving it, but I did feel like a pet. I felt like a kept person who felt safe. And to me, there is this kind of pet-like aspect to submission for lots of people, but we just don't name it that way. But I see it that way um, for myself. And so that's why I have identified that, that secretly for a very long time. 
Um, and I guess not so secretly now that we're talking about it. What would be the difference between, for you, human pet versus like your little's headspace? Because I totally see a lot agree. of overlap too in terms of being cared for, being cooked food. <laughs> like- Very, I mean, I think they feed, LOL, the food feeds similar parts of me. Um, but my little headspace is not a part of our DS in the sense of like my little has provided service to you. And like all aspects of me try to contribute to providing service and to our dynamic. But my little is a lot more like petulant, um, bratty, um, single-minded, sings a lot. And it's not so much about feeling submissive at all. It's about just getting care. Being a little and interacting with you is about being playful, having time with mom, a.k.a. daddy with you having having um affection and just being the center of attention and being able to eat that up but how does that differ from a pet from a pet i'm sitting at your feet and my job is to serve you you want attention and scratches i do want attention and scratches (laughs) but also if you were to be like no sit or stop that would be my primary objective We, we haven't really played with it as much but to me in my human pet space that's an adult i'm not a kid you know, I'm not a little with her own needs and objectives that have to be met. I am in a pet space in my in my brain. So, like, I'm still myself. I'm, I'm always going to have my own needs and my own wants. But when I'm in a pet space, there is this aspect of, like, I want to make my owner look good. I want to make the person who holds, you know, the keys to my collar look good. And that part of me is a lot more tied into my submission. Which, again, I, I feel like I need to work more and I want to sit more in submission. It's just so uncomfortable for me sometimes to sit in submission because I'm such a headstrong, competent person who has very much a mind of her own. And that doesn't mean that that doesn't, that that does fit with submission. You can do it. But because I'm so active and because there's so much else going on, this is a part of my headspace that we haven't been able to play with as much. And maybe we should. I'm still trying to figure out the difference between. I just want you to give me snacks for rewards. Let me be honest. I just want you to be able to give me like treat. This is all just me angling for treats. That's the, the pink heart that I t- chuck at but your head. But now I want food motivation. Pick one. Both. 50-50 <laughs> both. Or as Michael Scott says, 50-50 boat. So I'll just throw a piece of beef jerky at you? You have to put it in my mouth. I'm a prissy <laughs> pet. Oh, God. I, do you not know that? I'm like the long-haired cat of know. human pets. I need to be... See, this is why you're, you're the like... the fucking poodle? Yes. Oh God! I if hate I'm poodles. if I'm a pet, sorry. I'm a if you like poodles, one. I'm sorry. I just they're not my favorite. Whew. Actually, I really, <laughs> I really, honestly, if I had to identify with an animal in my human pet space, it would be more so like a wild thing that you brought in off the street, but that's dignified and that is classy. But yeah, I still need to be like you know brushed and given treats, you know, from time to time. Sansa Stark fed her wolf lady. It's a Game of Thrones reference. I know. Did you know? Yeah. Okay. Good. I don't know if a barely domesticated wolf. <laughs> Actually, like... Lady was very domesticated. Some of the other wolves were not. Mm-hmm. Sansa worked well with her. And that's kind of the point. I feel like if we played more with this, it would be. But feed did Lady fetch? My... I think she probably did, yeah. <laughs> I think she could. But that's kind of the thing is that like. Did I tell I... you to fetch my coffee? <laughs> I don't know. Let's let's come back to that. I think it's something that because I am a human um, pet and not an animal pet, there is a line where I don't really want to be treated like an actual dog or a cat. 
but you I want do all the like positives some... of being treated like a dog or a pet. Well, yeah, who wouldn't? <laughs> but none of the negative ones. Like, what? Well, I don't mind some of the negative <laughs> ones, but I'm still a human. I think that's why it kind of crosses into my submission. Being a human pet plays into how I see myself as your submissive. Yeah. As well, that's well. what I'm getting. Like, that's where it's hard for me to see where the line is. There isn't really a line for me. They bleed together. It's more of a continuum or a spectrum. And I kind of have neglected the human pet side. Um, we see it pop up in our dynamic you know, in the morning when I kneel in front of you and I come in for scritches, but I'd like to be scratched more. I'd like to be touched more. Like I, I'd like to have the feeling of not necessarily being pet, but being loved the way you love the cats, you know, because I, I really crave affirmation and because verbal affirmation is hard for you, it would be good if you gave more physical, but also I like sitting at your feet when I'm in the right headspace for it, because even if it's a little uncomfortable in comparison to sitting on the couch, not only does it feed the dynamic, but it makes me feel beloved to be at my dominant's feet or my owner's feet and i like the word owner you know and that's kind of hard because i don't always like it like if i was like walking yeah, I was around say. <laughs> i was walking around the street and you're like i'm her owner i'd be like bitch i would not ever say that to you ever i said it just now and i tried it out <laughs> and it made me feel horrible but i mean i would not respond well because i am my own person my autonomy is important to me but when it comes to us engaging in a more high protocol headspace or in a more kink ds centric headspace there is that quality. If not my owner, then my adopter, my caretaker. And like, I am responsible to you. And you do train me. You know, what we do in high protocol is training. So I think our high protocol day, in a way, we could play more with this. But um, the pet piece also is the sense of being allowed to exist in the home as someone who is cared for and who helps guard the home and who is responsible to the mistress or the master of the home. Like, if you look at Hold it. Hold up. What? Helps guard the home. You're the one waking my ass up if you hear something going, Miss Jen, go see who it is. Go check the house. I am barking to let you know that something might be in the house. You're welcome. So you're, the least... you're Scooby-Doo. Yeah, I'm the Scooby-Doo of human pets. Wow, this, is, this episode is going against my favor here. But I think it's fascinating. I, I, I recently read, I don't want to call out this person because I haven't asked their explicit permission to bring up what they wrote, but I did read a writing from a friend who kind of describes something similar of, look, I have this headspace. It's similar to pet play, but it's not exactly. You know, and it, it kind of came into play in the beginning of our relationship as well when I came to you and said, well, if I'm a cat, can I be a human cat? Can I be like an anthropomorphic cat? And you said no, but we found out later that you said no because you didn't want me to be able to knock things over as easily <laughs> and like have the benefits of pet play without – you know, the controllable aspects of it. You actually can be an anthropomorphic animal in pet play. And I wanted to share that because I, I went and I asked um, a another person whose name I guess I won't say because I haven't asked permission to mention their name. But um, I, I went and asked a pro dom that I know who is wonderful with pet play. And I said, is this okay if I wanted to be an anthropomorphic animal? And she said, absolutely. And then I went back to you and you said, damn it. Um, I I was hoping to stop you from pet play by telling you you had to be on all fours. Now someone went and told you you can stand on two legs. But it doesn't really matter what anybody else says. You're right. Only what matters is my need and my interest. And what I say. But also I'm a human. and See, this is why it doesn't work. (laughs) Because I retain my autonomy and our power exchange while it is 24-7 is not TPE. Um, This is true. It is true because I'm my own person. I don't want to lose my personhood. That's never been something that I've been interested in. Are you saying that those in TPE have lost their... I think there is a certain amount of um, (laughs) surrender of decision-making and choice that comes with TPE. Mm -hmm. And 
while I'm interested in 24-7 honoring you as my D-type and trying to let you make decisions that you should be making for us because you're more qualified than me to make them, um, I also want to retain my right to decide for myself and to advocate for myself. I am not willing to lose my personhood. And that also might be, and for me, that's my definition of personhood. To me, my personhood means that I know myself better than anyone else does. I want you to know me as well as you can. But at the end of the day... Sometimes I know you better than you know yourself. That is true. <laughs> at the end of the day, though, if you die, I got to be able to stand up. It's going to happen at some point. I know. <laughs> I got to be able to stand up. God forbid we broke up. I have to be able to hold myself together and know that I am my strongest advocate. Well, and I... I mean, this is totally off topic, but I think that if done in a healthy way, TPE can absolutely advocate for... The, like, I don't... I think it's unhealthy if a 24-7 TPE power exchange cuts the S type off at the ankles and doesn't like, because yes, something could happen at any point. I think that the S type should absolutely have the basic life skills to take care of themselves and to have goals and all of that. I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. And in this episode, something bad happened to me and Miss Jen, two very good people. And that's something was that I forgot to plug in the mics halfway through. I know, I know. That means that something bad is going to happen to you good people because you're going to have to hear half of this episode done on my computer mic, which is what was turned on and recording when we were talking. Why don't we re-record, you ask, and save you the pain of hearing bad audio? Well, it was really funny what we came up with. And we can't recreate gold like that. So it was the option of re-recording and losing humor and robbing you of perfect content that you deserve or allowing you to hear a little bit of a tinny audio recording. So I do apologize. If you're not scared away, stick with us and we will continue the episode. Okay, so let's get back on topic about human pets. Yeah? Yeah, let's do it. So I'm, I not wonder me. if, because when I asked you the question, how does your human pet differ from submissiveness (laughs) this is all words um i'm wondering if they might actually look very similar but it's more of a headspace issue perhaps i mean i think i think that's it i think that they can they work hand in hand and they kind of again they kind of feed into each other um i think in one from a pet standpoint there is slightly less responsibility on a pet than there is on a human um, so a human pet combines both of those things. The human part is still the submissive part, but the pet part removes some responsibility and it's more of a subspace, I think for me as well. So my most memorable moments where I've felt connected to the human pet aspect have been in dungeons sitting at your feet, um, usually in the middle of our events, but I'm no longer working in those moments. I am resting. I am with my dominant, AKA I don't know, my, my, my master, my mistress, right? And I am at ease. My only job in that moment is to focus on you and on myself, my headspace, and on us. I'm not working. I'm not having to, um, uh, what's it called? Executive function, basically. And that's, I think, the biggest difference for me, too, is that as your submissive and as, as your partner, I have to do so much executive functioning. It's a strength that I have, but... Even when we do like high protocol events where we're running them, I don't really get to experience them as an S-type 
the way other S-types do. I sacrifice a lot to be able to be of service to you. So the human pet headspace is where I get to kind of enjoy the more relaxing aspects of submission, I think, and more of the benefits of submission versus the hard work pieces. Okay, so would you say that when you're in more of a submissive headspace, you still are very activated in terms of trying to not necessarily anticipate needs, but maybe, you know, that's a part of it, but also just being more aware of what I need or what I could need or being ready to kind of, you know, step in or whatever versus in more of a pet, human pet headspace, it's kind of a, I'm going to sit here and enjoy scritches until or unless I'm told to go do something. I mean, kind of, think, think about it this way, like, when I'm working an event with you, when we're doing the podcast, um, in our life together, when I'm cleaning the house, when I run errands, I have to make decisions constantly. Um, I get to make decisions. I need to be allowed to make decisions in my life on occasion as a human. Like I don't want to always be in a place where I'm not allowed to choose for myself, but it's also a burden. It's a burden to have to constantly be drawing from within to make things happen when we're doing high protocol days or when I'm in the more of the pet headspace, I kind of let go and allow for it to just be, just, it just re- relax. That's what I mean, like a relaxed state. It doesn't mean that I'm not willing to do tasks or that I can't perform for you. It's more so it's not on me anymore. I'm just a human pet. I'm just there. So it's I kind wonder of, if from an outside perspective, it would look the same. It might look the same, although I feel like when I'm in that headspace, which I don't get to be in very often, but when I'm in that headspace, it probably looks more like I'm your submissive than when I'm not in that headspace. Because I, again, like I I don't describe myself by trait as submissive. I don't really seem like a submissive person. You know, I wanted to add a little piece here about um, submission and my relationship with the word, because I, I really feel like it's important to clarify that there are a million different types of submissive in the world, as many different types as there are people who identify that way. And there is no trait that belongs to dominance that a submissive could not embody and still be a submissive. Um, I think, you know, as I was clarifying in this first um, recording about traits that I have that I feel make it challenging for me to sit in my own submission. This is not because I'm trying to say that um, by having these traits, it's not congruent or can't work well with being a submissive. It absolutely can. Um, For me personally, in my journey, traits like being headstrong, um, very, very focused and, you know, prioritizing and valuing my own autonomy. Sometimes those things can they can butt heads in my own dynamic or in my own life with um, how I'm, I, I identify as a submissive. I experience a lot of resistance, and that's personal, but certainly not something that I would want to put on all submissives everywhere. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that as I speak, I speak from a very personal place. When I, when I told my dad that I was in power exchange and he found out that I was on the S side of the slash, he was shocked because I am a willful person and I have never answered to orders well you know mm-hmm. i am sorry don't don't, don't be you a, said you know i'm just answering you you mm-hmm'd before i said you know and i can play That's back the true. recording um the point is the reason our podcast is fun to listen to is because i have a very clear mind of my own and can tease you in the bratty aspect 
yes, it's technically ratting within the context of DS, but outside of the context of DS, it's two people in a relationship who enjoy bantering with each other. I actually, in some cases, resent being called bratty only because it's like, look, yes, I'm in DS, but it's not 100% of who I am. And if you and I didn't have a partnership that existed outside of our 24-7, this wouldn't work for me. Like, I need to have a relationship with a human that I'm with. And I like the way that we interact this way. But that being said, it's really, really challenging for me to let go of being in some form of control. I don't ever want to fully relinquish control over certain aspects, but it would be nice to do it more when it's safe to do so. And that's sort of where the human pet piece comes in more for me. Um, and again, when I say I'm more, I'm in a more relaxed state, to me that is a more submissive state for me because there's no need for me to do anything other than what you exactly tell me to do. Even, even the freedom at an event of only focusing on my dominant is not something that I normally get to experience anymore, if I ever did. I'm typically focused on tending to guests, cleaning, um, washing things in the kitchen. Like I do check on your water, but I also am moving around constantly. Like it's not a relaxed- to think about. Yeah, it's not a relaxed state. And I don't mind, I'm not complaining. Like I do that very well for you and you really need somebody to step in and do it. But like, no, our DS, has never been as luxurious as me being able to just zone in on you, except for at home occasionally. And even then we're both working. So I guess the human pet space is somewhere between me as an operating functional S type in a relationship with my D type, who is also my partner and me being in a play scene with you. It's the blur space between function and scening. While it's not as intense as being in a full scene, it is a form of subspace, I think. We okay. could cultivate it more. We could we could play with it more. It's just that, you know, our life has been so hectic. We're finally starting to wrap our arms around it again, and it's about to pick back up again with pace. So it's interesting. It's hard. I feel like I've been talking this whole episode. Sorry. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of me interviewing you because <laughs> I'm... It's an interview. I'm trying to figure out the whole human pet experience for myself, but also for our listeners, because it's a, it's a difficult... Thing to wrap your head around when you start to pull it apart and compare it with other headspaces and I think that the reason we don't hear about it a lot or talk about it a lot is because of that like a lot of people either go into pet play like animal pet play full on right or not not pet at all submissive or or s type of whatever kind so it's a it's, it's a concept that is probably first of all very personal for anybody who identifies as such but I think you know, it's the, the nuance between what it looks like versus what it feels like might be the biggest difference. Here, well, here's something else that's an interesting way to look at it for me. I'm trying to figure out a way to put my finger on why this headspace is different from feeling little or from g- general. So in general, in my life, I want to succeed. I want to get things done. I want to feel happy. I want to take care of myself. I want to take care of you. I want to make you proud. I want to be proud of myself. Those are some of my strongest um, driving forces every day that I wake up. When I'm in a little space, (laughs) my needs vary, but a lot of my motivation is get Miss Jen to pay attention to me, make Miss Jen laugh, get cuddles, get love. Like that's a lot of my stuff. Sometimes I get fussy and like I try to catch myself too because my little space is not just something that I indulge in for fun. I feel like it's 
in some ways a regression that occurs that I'm able to experience with you because I love you and I trust you. But like, it's hard when I feel small to have to cope with this little kid inside who really needs to be dealt with gently and who's having an irrational reaction. So that also comes up for both of us. You get to help me process trauma from my childhood, basically, when my little space pops into being in a less fun way. But again, the motivations are often, Michelle, look at me. I'm going to sing to you. I love you. Pay attention to me. I'm hyperactive. I need soothing. I want to hang out with you. Let's do this fun thing. Like, it's a lot more like that. When I am in a subspace, just subspace, there is very little thought. It's so hard to get to subspace. It usually happens in scenes. But it's like, I have sank beneath my anxiety and my emotions. You know, usually in subspace, I need to let go. Literally, I need to wrench control from myself and give it to you. I need to let go. And that happens in scenes a lot for me. But in the pet headspace and in the, even honestly, the high protocol headspace, which is almost identical, like very, very similar, but a little bit different, but we'll just call them the same headspace. My goal is focus on my dominant. Focus on the moment, relax, you know, get affection when possible, perform tasks. It's basic thinking with very little thought for what is coming next. It, it you know, and, and as that from a pet headspace, a human pet, it, it's even more towards, I want to feel loved. I want to feel cared for. I want to protect and make happy my dominant. Those are the strongest feelings. And that, that piece of I want to feel cared for is part of the pet headspace for me. I always want to feel cared for constantly as a continuum, but as a pet, it's like a safe way to come up to you and be like, I want cuddles. And I think part of that for me too is identifying that you do give more physical affection to the cats than others because cats are what you cuddle. So as a human pet in my brain, it's like this is a form that I can be in where it's more natural for her to cuddle me. And you do do better when I'm on the floor because I'm not climbing all over you. Um. So is that the difference? I'm trying to figure out, is that the difference between your human pet versus high protocol is they both share the focus on dominant, but the human pet space is also focus on dominant and want scritches. Basically. Yeah. I think it's, <laughs> okay. it's weird because it's almost, I, I don't, I don't want to cause even more confusion over this topic, but it's, <laughs> it's almost like there's a blend between some things I want when I'm feeling little and some things I want when I'm in sub, sub more study space or high protocol space, because there is this desire to still get your attention and to be loved. And that's a strong focus. And when I'm in the human pet space, that can just come on when we're watching TV together. It doesn't require high protocol or like, actions to be taking place or tasks to be performed it's a resting relaxation and how is that different from just human eden very similar in terms of when they blend together and that's what i mean like as a human pet i go throughout my life and my days with you having that headspace sort of circle me you know that headspace appears and merges in and fluidly goes through the others and it's a really comfortable place but we just don't directly bring it out very often um and i I think like that's one of the fr- reasons why I've always asked you, can you please call me good girl? For me, that latches right into my human pet headspace. It latches right into like, you are small. You are what I care for. I love you. You are safe. I am proud of you as your owner, as your dominant, as your mistress, etc. Like that's what that means for me. 
but it's, it's really hard to put your finger on as we just talked about. And this is just me and my explanation of the human pet headspace. And another reason why I qualified specifically as human pet is because of the things I mentioned, like I would be comforted by going into a cage. I like sitting on dog beds. I would be delighted if you brought out a treat that I like and you fed me by hand for doing something like that would delight me to no end. It's weird. And it doesn't make any sense for an actual human, but it would make it. it, I judge myself. It would make sense for a human pet. It would also make sense for a pet player, but most people don't think of doing pet like things with a human. It's the closest I really can get to pet play comfortably, even though I could definitely tap into various animal headspaces. I'd probably need something like a hyena or like something that's not tamed. A hedgehog is one of the ones where like it's closest to pet I can get. And usually that's where I'm like cranky. Don't want to be around people. But like the animals that I would identify as are not animals that would be easy to keep as pets. Um, yeah, we're not keeping a hyena. No, uh, the hyena is more of my switch <laughs> headspace, to be honest. So that's more of like a primal play thing. But I- I've thought long and hard about this. And I always just kind of land more as I don't want to become some some animal i don't want to invent a persona i I don't feel like that is true for who i am as a person what's comforting to me is being able to just be a pet as a as as i am i wish i think it's also kind of sad but like i kind of wish that i was good enough as i am to be loved and cared for like that and maybe oh my god this is so fucked up wow just going down the rabbit hole maybe as a kid i saw my pets being cared for better in some capacity like I saw more affection sometimes being showered on the dogs I lived with than on me. So it could be that I don't want to be a dog, but I want what they had, you know? So it's kind of twisted in my brain now and I'm, I'm really feeling sad. (laughs) My God, I just therapied myself. But, but anyways, like, I think it's kind of interesting. And you know, one of the great things about BDSM and kink, she said, trying to come out of the tunnel and (laughs) act like she's on top of her shit um, is you can dive down beneath the surface with things like this. And I am in a position at this time in my life where I can turn to my dominant partner and say, I wish you would keep me as a pet. I want to be as loved by you as the cats, but I don't want to be a cat. <laughs> Brush my human hair and feed me beef jerky and tell me I'm pretty. Like that's kind of some of the feeling. I mean, I also call the cats assholes sometimes. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> It'll perfectly blend with our dynamic. Well, and I think two points. One... I think you've just demonstrated a beautiful part of why kink and BDSM are lovely is because we tend to talk about these things and have outlets and ways to explore things that are connected to our history. And two, I think this is just such a personal and nuanced topic and it is hard to kind of put your finger on things and describe or define what this is or looks like or how it feels. Um, So my hope from this is that other people will hear that it could be kind of a complicated issue and something worth talking about and trying to understand. And that was really where I was coming from with this conversation was, which is why I said it's let's dissect interview. Um, (laughs) it's It's trying, it's coming from a place of curiosity and trying to figure out what is this for you and what are the differences like the way that I can figure it out is okay what's the differences then between this and that and what are the similarities and what might look the same or different versus what's underneath the surface 
if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Um, before we end, I just sort of wanted to put one last little lighthearted spin on this. So just to tell you that if I were to be an animal that was a pet, I would absolutely choose a skin kitty because it would drive you bananas. And I think that would be super fun to cosplay as just to see you freak out. Like I would get a onesie that was skin toned and just like be like a naked skin kitty. No, just get a costume of a turkey. I could just get like a a body suit and like put a bunch of nipples down the front. Cause you know how cats have all the nipples and like, I'll just draw like, I don't make all these wrinkles. I'll look like a naked Sharpay cat. um, And you would have to love me because I'm your baby. You know what I would do? I would do to you what I would do to that cat, which is put a sweater on it. How? Okay. So maybe this Halloween, I will get my shit together and I will dress up as a skin kitty with a sweater on and we will post that. I actually kind of want to do it. I think we can do it. I can do the makeup for it. So um, basically this is a... This is the conclusion. The conclusion is I'm a human pet, but if I weren't, I'd be a skin kitty. They look like an uncooked turkey. I'm your little uncooked turkey, baby. You have to love me. What? I'm your part. Hey, they are, they are kitties too. Put a sweater on it. Well, anyways, I'm excited. I have a Halloween idea now. Um, we only have 10 months to figure it out, so we'll be fine. And uh, on that note, uh, join our Discord and share pictures of your kitties, be they skin or fur, because they are perfect. They are blessed. And so are you, dear listener. If you are out there and you think to yourself, I wish I could be loved like a pet, you do deserve that. You can have it. And you don't even have to be a pet to get it, or rather an animal to get it. You can be a human pet. And just like Princess Leia, you will find your Jabba. Oh God, don't. That is not a positive. (laughs) So thank you for being with us today. And Um, we'll see you next time on here. Wait, we'll see see you. No, you'll hear us next time on K is for Kinky. 